Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Literacy Podcast. We are really excited for today's guest because he is the professor of the year for 2019 and 2020 as voted by his students from two years in a row, two years in a row. (laughs) And not just any students, um, the students at Georgetown's McDonough School of Business, which is very fancy, I think. (laughs) Very fancy. Yeah. So we are going to talk to him today about his very first blog post, and this is his very first podcast. So lots of firsts happening today for this brave guy. Brendan O'Day, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm really happy that Melissa stumbled across your blog, and I'm really happy that we got to know each other in a previous life so that we could feel really comfortable inviting you to be on the podcast today. Yeah, me too. This is, like, as you said, it's my first, uh, my first podcast, so I hope we do okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you will. Do you want to Brandon, tell us a there... little bit? Oh, sorry, Melissa. That's exactly what I was going to say, so it's fine. <laughs> so I was going to say, is there anything else you want to tell everybody about you, I, especially new leaders? I know you do a lot of work with new leaders. So I did, I worked with 10 cohorts from, um, from 2004 to 2014 until they ended their national cohort. Um, and I became really close with those people. And that's part of the reason that this podcast is happening. It's part of the reason that the blog happened. Um, from 2004 to 2014, I did some intense work on leadership development with people who were becoming principals. Mm-hmm. And many of them have become assistant superintendents and superintendents throughout the country now. And the podcast, the, the blog comes from new leaders asking me to do um an alumni event just to be on a panel for an alumni event. And after that alumni event, they asked me to write a, a blog post and I'd said, sure, why not? Um, yeah. So. And then I called RI because, you know, Melissa and I both knew you from your, your work. Uh, well, Melissa, did you know him? I knew Brendan. Did I, yeah. I can't remember. So I thought you worked a with little Brendan bit. Too. Brendan, yeah. yeah. Okay. Brendan came to Baltimore and I, I went, I came to a couple of his sessions, but I didn't get to work with him as much as you did, Lori. Got it. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I learned so much from Brendan. And so when you shared his blog, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, our listeners <laughs> would love to hear uh, yeah. Brent, about Brendan's. I think your approach is what makes you really special, Brendan. Yeah. And what, I, lo- I mean, when I first saw the blog, I was like, I love this, but it's not literacy. So I literally asked Lori, I was like, can we talk about this on our podcast? Because it's definitely not literacy related, but it was so, I think it, well, we're here talking about it, right? So we definitely found <laughs> some reasons Lori, that it, it does connect. Yeah. yeah. And Lori found some connections between um, wit and wisdom. And the first thing that you notice in literacy is, is to start noticing in, in text. So the blog, the blog was about noticing and the beginning of my day. And um, the 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 reason that I started on that on that topic of noticing was that um, people at the at the end of this summer and the beginning of this fall need to really change uh, how this and ent- re-entry into school happens. Um, mm-hmm. Thinking about how they want to approach this year is different from every other year they've experienced because they're coming back from yep. a period where they don't know what has been going on for the best 18 months with all their students. Some of their students they haven't seen for 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, it, not even on zoom um, because some students uh, sort of fell off during the pandemic. 
And so noticing what's going on in their community was really important to me as a thing to talk about at that alumni reunion for new leaders. And that sparked this idea of, okay, so if you're going to write a blog, what should you write about? And so when I wanted to write the blog, I had a couple of things in mind. One was I wanted to tell, I, I figured only new leader alumni would be reading it or people that I work with. <laughs> um, well, you're wrong because now all of our listeners are going to read it. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I wanted, to, I wanted to tell people, like, what was that beginning of my class about? Um, and the beginning of the beginning of my class is a shortened version of what um, a guy named Ron Heifetz does over at the Kennedy School at Harvard University. Um, he, he has 15 weeks to work with people. He has, you know, two, two, two hour classes a week, plus a whole bunch of other things to work with people and, um, all of the, all of the presence of Harvard university. I don't have that. I have a couple of days with people from time to time. And, um, and if I'm lucky, I'll have a bunch of days throughout a year for a full program with people. So I have to sort of shorten down, um, his kind of experiential approach and his opening. And over the past 20 years or so, I've been I've been working on this this opening, and it's it can be um, a sharp right turn for people when they're expecting <laughs> when they're expecting me to teach the way teaching should look. Um, so, so part of it was to explain what was going on in that opening if you if you hadn't caught on um, during the the course itself, and part of it was to say, look, now all of that is relevant to you as as a um, as a leader as a school leader. Yeah, it does really like buck the way traditional professional learning is usually done, especially for school leaders. And I want to um, ask you to describe that because I know your blog post uh, describes that, but I'm hopeful that you can articulate that um, just briefly for those listening who are thinking like, well, they're talking about this blog post, but I haven't read it yet. Um, and right. so, you know, folks walk into your session and they sit down and cue and what happens. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, well, usually what happens before the session is some of the important stuff that they haven't noticed. Um, and usually the first 30 minutes that people are coming in, what they would call early, um, I would call sort of on time because the class starts, say, class starts at nine o'clock. If you're there at 830, you can take time to settle in, start to notice what's going on around you. And during those 30 minutes or so, I'll try and get to know people before um, before class. So I have something to connect to the material I'm about to teach. Um, onto, and some way to connect with them, some way to understand where they come from that goes beyond their bio or their um, the school they teach in. And before class, I'll try and get a, um, a a list of all the people who are participants and something about them. So at least I know who's in the room and then meet them for 30 minutes. And then at exactly when the time starts to start, I'll write, um, start by noticing up on the board. And then I'll turn around and I'll say, I'll ask them, so what should I do first? And people will be looking at me like, well, <laughs> this is the time when you're supposed to put up PowerPoint slide number one. And share your objectives. <laughs> and you tell us what we're doing. That's it. What are your objectives? Why are you qualified to teach us? Um, do you even care about this material? There are all sorts of things that people want from the, from the person at the front of the room. And they're analogous to what people will want in your school. And so we start breaking down the room into these people want me to be entertaining. These people want me to be to go through a quick set of objectives and start hitting the bullet points of what they want to learn. What's the content? Other people want me to simply um, allow space for people to talk and connect with each other. And as we look at those different objectives and different factions, we start. I start to 
talk about how in a school and exercising leadership, you need to figure out what it is that people want from you so that you can exercise leadership. And you'll also have to disappoint these expectations at a rate that they're going that they can stand. And so that's the first piece of con- content that comes out. And I usually try and hold myself as long as possible before actually writing content on the board to see how long people can, can stand the, the idea of ambiguity, not knowing where we're going. Because when you're preparing to become a principal of a school, every day is ambiguity. Um, yeah. You start off with a plan. You start off thinking, okay, today we're going to do X. And before school starts, you have some emergency or crisis that takes you off of what you thought you're going to be doing. And by the time you get back to, I should be looking in classrooms, I should be watching instruction and um, uh, all the other things you have planned for the day, you need to be comfortable with this idea of ambiguity. And so a good part of this morning, the morning, the first 90 minutes of my class generally is testing people to see how they handle ambiguity and to start seeing if they'll start um, noticing themselves and others instead of just judging poor teaching. Because um, because they'll all be excellent teachers, usually in new leaders or in any of these programs, Unbound Ed, Georgetown, um, Boston College, any of these programs, they'll have phenomenal teachers who are in the program because they were great teachers and they know what good teaching should look like. And I know walking in that my teaching for 60%, 70% of people will not look like what good looking, what good teaching should look like. Even, even the start by noticing is something I added in because I know people want do nows immediately. (laughs) What is our do now? Well, I wrote that on the board. Um, That is so funny. Uh, What is your, what is your longest length of time that you've gone just out of curiosity? You know, I don't know. I've never tracked that, Um, (laughs) but there've been times when I've caved really quickly. Like I'll see that nothing (laughs) and I'll be like, okay, so today we're going to be learning about, and I'll give them the schedule. um, And I'll, I'll, I'll give them, you know, this is when lunch will be. And then I'll say, well, is that enough? And they're like, no, what are our objectives? That is funny. Um, and it depends also, uh, if I'm working with Georgetown, they have a syllabus, right? So they have the syllabus for the year. They have the objectives for the day. It's all written out. Right. Um, with with Newlers, I remember a couple of times when, um, I, know, I remember this one time when I wanted to teach um, this idea of authority and what people want of authority. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a, there was a, man in the room who was going to introduce me, but he said, when should I introduce you? I said, well, why don't you wait until I ask you to introduce me? I'm just going to start with this cold open of, of asking people what I should do first. And it was getting, the tension was kind of rising because I wasn't meeting everyone's expectations right away. I wasn't telling them exactly what we were doing that day. I wasn't telling them exactly when breaks were. Um, and at some point I decided to write stuff on the board and I started writing stuff on the board. I put a bullet point. People love bullet points. Um, and I was about to write, I was about to write three bullet points because people love three bullet points. <laughs> lists, um, lists, 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 more lists, go. <laughs> and, and three is the best because you've got, because we're ingrained with three father. Well, as a Catholic, I was ingrained with three father, son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, and there are a whole bunch of other threes that pop up in the world. Of course. So I start writing them up and I get to bullet point number two. And then I say, oh, wait a minute. This would be a great time for you to introduce for you to introduce me and a woman out in the 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 student says wait no (laughs) why did you stop why did you stop doing that I said that is fantastic that is a great great question why did I stop but if you just change it from 
judgment because what you said was no don't stop why would you do that in a very like you shouldn't right yeah if you can change that to curiosity by the end of this course i'll have done a miracles piece of work because that mm-hmm. is a really big challenge can you say not why did you do that but huh i wonder why at this very moment he stopped writing on the board and asked someone to introduce him in a in a class that was at the beginning devoted to this idea of authority. How do you get authority? How do you use authority? And so I was trying to live the material by getting authority from this person who's going to introduce me and tell them wonderful things about what I've done in the past. So the idea of moving from judgment to curiosity is a huge piece of content that's really hard to master, but you'll see it in so many different um, in so many different courses, not necessarily just on leadership, but you'll see it in lots of courses throughout any kind of curriculum. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you could just talk a bit about like, what, what here's my cat. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if you could like make the connection to what you just talked about, which is amazing to this school year, right? This school year where people are coming in super anxious about where their students are performing and wanting to, I, there's just a sense of urgency, right? I have to do something because of this past year and a half has been crazy, mm-hmm. right? So for, I know a little bit from your blog, but let's tell the, the listeners, yeah. like what, how do they do what you're talking about <laughs> in well, this so, school year? Well, so I think that a piece of it came from um, a woman I worked with who is who is not yet, but who will be one of the best, best principals in, um, in Washington, D.C., she is, she is amazing. Um, she will be, if she can survive the first two years, she will be the star that five, 10 years from now will be doing a blog on her. And how was it that she, yeah. um, how was it that she rocked it out so well? And um, she, she's one of my favorite people in the whole world. And we were talking this summer about how she'd just been put in a, a, a principal's position and she's got all of her, you know, academic stuff up on the on the walls um academics is what we're all about academics academics and i'm sitting there thinking that's absolutely true you want to have as many um pieces out there any as many um uh symbols out there about what your school is about as possible but coming off of this summer and coming off this pandemic you cannot get to academics first what you first have to get to is love and joy Mm-hmm. If students feel that they're loved in your school, it's a place they get up in the morning and say, this is a place I want to go to. It's a safe place where I'll feel love from teachers. If teachers feel love, if everyone who works in the school feels that is a place, a safe place um, where they're fine, they'll find love. That's, that's half the battle. Another well, a third of the battle. Another third is, <laughs> is joy. Is If they yeah. find that it's going to be a place where they're going to feel happy. Um, and uh, feel that when they see their teacher, their teacher smiles at them and welcomes them in, and they're going to have something fun to do. And those are tools to get you to academic achievement. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So at the end of that year, when I was, when that woman had said, no, why are you, why are you stopping writing on the board? One of the big things I wanted to, uh, that I ended with was that never underestimate the power of joy as a tool to get to academic achievement. Because if people, if kids love what they're doing, if they love coming to school, they'll read the extra book, they'll ask questions, they'll delve into the math problems, and they'll, they'll, they'll joyfully go about doing the work of learning. So 
And yeah, and I, I dare say that what you're kind of demonstrating is that that joy and that academic success comes from the connection. Like there's so much Mm -hmm. that is behind that. And truly when they're, when you're the leader of a school, you know, I'm thinking back as you're talking and, and as I was in your session previously, the times where I felt like I was my best self as a teacher and my best self as a student came from feeling really connected to those around me, to my teachers, to just to the content, like, you know, if, but I was interested in the content when all of those other people connections and human connections were there. And, and if the content didn't feel as interesting when those human connections were lacking. Yeah. And so I think that's um, when you're talking about wit and wisdom, which is really well laid out, um, really well uh, conceived uh, development plan um, for every grade and every, I think that the, the key piece that has to be added to that is, does the teacher connect with their students? Does the teacher love their students? Do the students know the teacher loves them? And then that will increase buy-in and it'll increase the moments where people have to sort of trust the process. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes back to Melissa, that goes back to that first 90 minutes of my, of my class mm-hmm. over the years, that 90 minutes became a lot easier and I could go a lot further answering your question, Lori, I could spend a little bit more time because students who came in had already checked me out coming in and people had said, okay, if you're going into O'Day's session, it may be a little strange at first, but trust the, <laughs> trust the process and, um, and trust me, it's going to be worth it in the end. And so it got people already coming in with curiosity. Whereas um, at the very beginning, the first two years I was doing it, it was, it was really difficult because <laughs> I didn't have that kind of that backup. And we had to really think on our feet a lot, uh, a lot more. Brendan, I had no idea going into your session that nobody warned me about anything. Mm-hmm. So I, when I went in, I, Melissa, did you do Brendan's session or did you? Okay. Yes, so I, was, yep, I did that one. <laughs> okay. So I came, I remember coming in and I'm like very, I think, open and I like intrigued. So when you started, I was like, this is awesome. I was so in, like enraptured and I loved the idea of like flipping everything on its head. But I feel like you also have, to, like, I don't think that everybody feels that comfort level with like, I'm going to trust this guy because this is amazing and I can't wait to see where this is going to go. I don't think that's everybody's uh, immediate gut reaction. <laughs> no, and, and I'm I'm always hoping there's about 20% of the people who are like you in the room who are like, yeah, no, this is great. Why would you, when he starts writing on the board, I get upset. Um, when he starts, if he were to pull out a PowerPoint slide right now, I would be upset because what's happening right now is really constructivist and it's really interesting mm-hmm. and, and we're going to make meaning of this afterwards. But first, we have to go through the experience. And so people who like constructivist education, um, people who've gone through Montessori or Waldorf or any of those other alternative yeah, I totally didn't, Brennan. I was like, a, I, I, I went to Catholic school. I should want the bullet points. Do you know what I mean? I should yeah. want that. But you know what I was intrigued with was, I think my biggest takeaway, and then Melissa, I want to ask you what yours was too. Um, and I know we're just doing like total promo for your session, which was not the intent of the podcast, but I think that it's worthy because it, it has to do with the blog. Um, but I'm one of my like most impactful takeaways, like still to this day, um, was among many things, but was that really being able the, the space in your session gave me the space as a leader to notice 
power dynamics in a room and how they interplay. And like still to this day, I mean, I constantly, like I just went with my husband on a work trip and I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, he's the big dog. Cause I can tell how people are responding and she's the big dog. Cause I can tell how people are responding. And, um, and I don't even know that people are aware that they're responding in that way. And it's so interesting. And I love note, just sitting back and noticing the power dynamics in a space when, or even guessing the power dynamics in a space. And, and every, most people take out whatever they're ready to learn. So a lot of people will take different things out of it, but, mm-hmm. um, this note, this idea of noticing, I've been hearing the word noticing all over the place these days, um, because a piece of it is a piece of the work in leadership is to try and help you not be a slave to yourself, um, to help you get out of your normal reactions. And you can't get out of your normal reactions until you've noticed what your reactions are mm. until you, until you notice yourself, you can't say, Oh, there I go again. And then step out of it. Um, there's a woman who Annie Duke, who is a professional um, poker player, very successful. She's won the World Series of Poker, and she's running. She's 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 written some wonderful books about um, things that she has learned about poker and how it relates to life and managing risk and all sorts of things. But a big piece is really noticing herself and her tendencies and her biases, and noticing other people's tendencies and biases, so that she can win at that game. Mm. And uh, and what I love about one of the podcasts I was watching, one of the, um, wasn't a podcast, it was a webinar, or I don't know, it wasn't a webinar, it was an interview at Google. <laughs> There's so know. many ways to access content these days. It was a Google interview. Um, and she was talking about how, you know, the, the objective is not to become 100% good at these things. If the objective is to come, become a little bit better than you were yesterday. And she mm-hmm. said, you know, you if you can get to 52%, 53%, that 3% compounds over time. And um, now if you can go 55, 45, now you're 10% better than, you know, in positives and in negatives. So if you can get a little bit better at noticing your own biases, your own, um, your own ways of being, then, um, then you'll be much more effective as a leader in stopping yourself from those when those don't work for you anymore. And as people go up in their, uh, in authority throughout organizations, all of their great reactions that have worked for them so much in the past that have gotten to them to be assistant superintendent or superintendent, all those reactions have to now be replaced by more thoughtful responses because the stakes are higher mm-hmm. and um, and the traps are bigger. Yeah. So, so. interesting. I You guys made me think of, um, I'm, I'm going to bring this down to the classroom level, <laughs> but thinking of um, like Wit and Wisdom actually has you know, whole days of noticing and wondering. Um, and I think right. they can be co- uncomfortable for teachers, right? Because it's like, well, what's the standard? And what, are, you know, check, what, 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 how do I assess that, right? It's just, they're just noticing and wondering. And I and love it's ambiguous this, for students. Like they might not notice yeah. what you want them to notice. They might notice something different or wonder something like but, different. Yeah, and that's what I was just thinking of, Lori, is like, I, we always, I, I think of it as like a good thing for the kids to do to get in that, like, space to just be curious but I hadn't thought of it as a time for the teacher to also step back and notice what their students like what's going on with your students during this time and you know just like notice that (laughs) and I think you're right that some of the students will be experiencing high degrees of stress without the (laughs) without the formal box and check of this is what this is what constitutes like what's the right answer (laughs) this is the right answer 
This is a better <laughs> answer than that answer. Ugh. Yeah. I will say kids do love to notice and wonder though. They like, I, I feel like on the, they're probably whole, better at it than adults. <laughs> they're yeah. so much more willing to jump in. I mean, I noticed when I did, um, over the pandemic, I did some went wisdom with Presley and I've talked about this before. Like she just started, I mean, every text then that she was reading, she was noticing and wondering and then organizing her thinking like, Oh, what's happening here. And like, she'd walk around to like the art in our house, which, you know, I think I've said before is, I mean, we're not like fancy full, it's like Ikea stuff. And um, she would notice and wonder about that, but it, it does transfer. And I do think it's because children have such a willingness to, to step out. But I love that, Melissa, about like the teachers noticing what their students are noticing and wondering. I didn't think about that either. And just even like the dynamics, like you talked about, right? Like just mm. watching how people, how the students react to this and who's comfortable, who's not, who's, <laughs> what kinds of noticings are they noticing in this text <laughs> that you might not have? <laughs> Oh, I love that. I feel like all of our literary friends out there are going to be so excited by that thought. (laughs) All the English majors. (laughs) If they get this far in the podcast. (laughs) We have a pretty good finish rate for people listening. So don't worry, Brendan. That's amazing. That's awesome. Lori, what I love about your, when you go on a work trip with your husband and you're noticing the dynamics is that because you're noticing the dynamics, you can do something about them. You can either buy into them or try and interrupt them, or you can change how you flow with them. Yep. But when people don't notice the dynamics, they just go with how they, it's just, they get pulled away, pulled along by the stream. And that's a lot of the work in leadership development that, I, that I've that i been doing over the past 20 years has been um, to help people resist the current, resist mm. being pulled along that's by great. the stream. So that they can, and, and noticing is noticing what first people do when they go into a classroom or especially my classrooms, they'll notice other people and they'll notice uh, a special, they'll notice the professor or the teacher, whoever's in the front of the room. At some point in, when I'm teaching leadership development, the, the objective is that people start noticing themselves and notice the others. And so flipping that right away so abruptly for people is a good start in getting them to think about, wait a minute. I was all judging this this guy at the front of the room who's supposed to be teaching leadership, but he's not doing anything right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now he's saying I'm supposed to notice myself. I'm like, yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I do. I remember that. I remember noticing a lot because when you were, I remember, um, I still think I have a picture of this. Um, well, I know I have a picture of this. Um, you sketched something about reacting versus responding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a really good visual memory, so I can like see the picture that I drew. And that still is something that stands out to me as how I changed from that course in terms of how, like, I felt like I was more of a reactor versus a responder. And maybe it's like the Italian heritage coming through, but I was able to, after that, like really notice that reacting wasn't the best way to go and how I could like react inside and then like respond outside, if that makes any sense. But that course helped me immensely to do that to put some space between what happens and some conscious thought, so that you can mm-hmm. still do the same action afterwards, but at least you'll have thought about it and considered possible alternatives to that action. Mm-hmm. Like so, zooming out and thinking through like different scenarios and like, what would, you know, if it, what would Brendan O'Day do in this situation? What would Melissa Loftus <laughs> do in this situation? You know, what would be best for me in this situation or what would be best for my staff in this situation? And I think teachers can also think about this in, in terms of like, 
their students too, like how they're going to respond in different situations. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the the things I learned in your course are, I think, transcend leadership. I just want to say that. Yeah, I'm great. I'm I'm glad. I'm very glad to hear it. Um, I know um, one of the things that that, uh, has been really useful for people, and again, Andy Duke was mentioning this again in her Google talk, um, and she's talking having a decision-making group and Mm -hmm. how... um, in, in, in our work, we call them case consultancy groups. And so people, one person brings a case to the group and the other people consult to that person. Yeah. Um, that's a great tool, especially for, for school leaders or in Massachusetts, they were doing it with superintendents um, for people to put a, put a practical example on the table to be discussed and, and, and diagnosed and then and, and solved or have some solution steps to it. But it also helps um, people get into the habit of thinking, what would Melissa say about this? Once you've gone through uh, seven cases with a case consultancy group, you start getting other people's heads into your into your brain. And Annie Duke was talking about how she had her decision-making group along with her at the table when <laughs> 13 seconds to decide whether she wanted to raise or not raise, mm. um, uh, whatever. And so I loved seeing that um, being translated from the world of poker to what we've been teaching in leadership for the past you know, 20 years and what Hyphet's been teaching for the past, I don't know, 35 years at, at Harvard. Um, this idea of having other people's voices inside your head when you need them and the way to start putting them in there is to have regular um, case consultancy groups or, mm-hmm. and they're analogous to teachers with um, with critical friends groups. I don't know if critical friends groups are part of Wit and Wisdom, but they're, they were big in the, you know, in the early 2000s and 2010. Can you explain for those listening in case they don't know what that means? A critical friends group, I think it's a bunch of teachers that sit around and look at student work and um, and start talking about what what is, you know, what does good work look like? Oh, it looks different in your, oh, your definition of good work is different than my definition of good work. Well, okay, let's norm around that. Um, I think it's people who are working together to um, to to understand their teaching better. And mm-hmm. And the idea of um, you have a veteran teacher and a and a beginning teacher, and what does an A look like? What is a what do you celebrate in your classroom? What are your objectives? We might just call lesson? it something different now. What do you call <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, I think we professional learning community, maybe. Sure, PLC. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I may actually, I may actually be get well, the critical friend sounds very cool. I want some critical friends. Sorry. <laughs> I may be getting that wrong. So um, I, I was never I, I knew the term, but I didn't know it was. So we might have to look that up before you, before you cut it out of this podcast. No, I, th- I mean, I think it is, I, I've heard it before. I think that it's, it really has just kind of Makes morphed sense. into this PLC um, or, may, you know, maybe critical friends sounded too harsh. Now we've made it sound a little bit kinder with, you know, professional learning community versus critical friends, you know. Probably. It's probably what happened. Well, the idea of having other people that can help you get out of your own way and yeah. help you get out of your own head. Um, help you see yourself from an angle that's not your angle is really helpful, especially for school leaders and for for district leaders. And so one of the methods that we use in almost every course that I teach of it, if I have a long period of time with you, is is this idea of case consultancies. Mm -hmm. And the the objective being that you get a bunch of different voices inside each person's head so that you're not alone when you're in the office and the parent comes in upset about whatever they're upset about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I do this often, like I play this game in my head where I'll be like, this, this is 
if I'm upset about something or if I need to make a decision about something, like what is my hill to die on? And then like what might be someone like I have my little group who I do it with, you know, and it it's interesting because it changes by scenario. Like when I'm a mom doing this, it's different than at, like an educator or a friend, you know, like it, thinking about the scenarios of like, okay, is this, is this really worth it or is it not? And like, what, am I going to put my flag down at the top of the hill and fight or am I not? And it, it does feel like it builds understanding. It, it helps me to seek curiosity. It builds empathy to, but all of that then transcends into like that, not just leadership, but also like that space of learning. Like it, it helps me as a learner, if that is making sense, like not just in, um, you know, my, my career or this podcast, but in life as well, which I assume is your whole intent, Brendan, right? Is to make us better people. Sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I love coming back. I love seeing people that I've taught 10 years ago and they'll say, Brendan, I remember this time when I'm like, okay, what uh, first I have to see whether it's going to be good or positive or negative. <laughs> I've got to brace myself and, and they'll say, I remember I said this, I said this thing in your class and you we were teaching something else. And I said this thing and you said, well, isn't that convenient for you? <laughs> and then you moved on. And she said, I never forgot that. And it's really changed the way I think about how I am making decisions. Am I doing it just because it's convenient for me? Mm. And, it, and for her, that was the piece that she took away. Yeah. And I'm like, I taught so much other content that was really useful. <laughs> um, and hopefully all of that is still in there too. Um, yeah. For her, that was the piece that she said, this is a piece that has really changed. I've really stopped doing things that have just been convenient for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just joking in that moment, I'm sure. <laughs> um, or, or being You never or, know where there's no, a lesson, right? You were noticing in that moment, maybe, is what you, you were noticing. And pivoting sure. <laughs> when you needed yeah. to. Right. And yeah, and it all comes back to copying um, or trying to live up to some of the things I learned in grad school. Mm. So do we still have time to talk about Ted Lasso? I'm selfishly asking. Oh, only first season because I haven't seen the second season yet. First season's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to, so, I'm, I'm going to put myself on mute and you two have fun. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> jump in, Lori. I, I need to watch <laughs> You were supposed to watch it. You're supposed to watch. So I know you're a big fan and I'm a big fan. And when I read your blog, it actually like made sense. I was like, I know why he's a big fan now. <laughs> like this, yeah. It makes so much sense that, um, you know, I, do you want to tell like the why or do you want me to talk about no, what you can I talk about. noticed? So, you know, this is for Lori because everybody listening, I'm sure has watched. (laughs) But Ted Lasso is, he's a football coach in America, like football, our football. And then he is recruited to be a soccer slash football coach in England. And he knows nothing about it. That was very confusing when I like very quickly Googled it. (laughs) I was like, football, but he knows nothing football. about, he knows nothing about soccer, right? Okay. Nothing. Right. But, but they were, they actually wanted him to fail was the reason they brought him over. They want him to fail. Oh, spoiler but, alert. Oh, my oh, sorry. I'll still watch That's it. Like the I'm, second I, no, episode. I'm a big sports fan. So I'm surprised that I haven't watched this. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. The connections I saw were, you know, you expect this guy who everyone thinks he's going to fail because he's from America. He knows nothing about the sport and, you know, I, I don't expect much of this guy. You expect him to come in and like 
I, you know, try and prove himself, right? Like, look what I know about soccer. I'm going to like do this with these guys and make them do all these things. I don't know, make them better mm-hmm. soccer players. And instead he totally doesn't, right? <laughs> this is where he pulls Brendan O'Day and he like just kind of sits back and goes slow and like throws the, someone a birthday party, right? And people mm-hmm. are like, why are they throwing a party? They just lost, right? Like what, <laughs> this is so silly, right? And, but he like, fixes the showers for them. Right. And these like little things that Shows make that it care. a better place to be slowly gets him in a place where he then can, you know, he, I, I don't, I still don't know that he knows that much about soccer, to be honest. I don't think it matters. <laughs> no, he has, he has a couple of sidekicks that, that know a lot about yes. soccer. Which is good. Yes. So I was going to say, who is his, con- Brendan O'Day, who is his constituency that he's keeping around him? Right. No, he, he has he has an assistant coach who like, like was literally reading books about yeah. <laughs> the sport on the way over. No, his, yeah, his assistant his assistant coach is obsessed with soccer and knows soccer and right. um, and, and the, the ins and outs of it, but he knows coaching and he knows getting people to perform at their best. Um yeah. one of the things that so I I had a Ted Lasso um uh seminar last last year for the following the first first season of of Ted Lasso was on Zoom. It was like an hour and a half long. Probably went to two hours. And if you do bunch, that again, you have to let me know. <laughs> I will definitely let you know. A bunch, of, a bunch of people signed up, and I didn't know how to charge people for a seminar. So I said, "Could you please donate to um, donate to this charity that I'm um, I'm riding my bike for? Um, it's a Pan Mass Challenge. It donates to the the Dana Cancer Dana Farber Cancer Institute. People yeah. donated made like four hundred dollars for this charity. That's awesome." But it was awesome. very, it was very fun. It was um, the one of the things that I mentioned is that the Ted Lasso. A lot of that is built around the leadership of John Wooden, and if you look at John Wooden, mm. uh, his his pyramid of success appears in the first episode. You'll see them putting up on the wall. Yeah, yeah, pyramid <laughs> of success, and and all the stuff in the pyramid of success is good. You you look it up, and if it, and I looked into it deeply because I was trying. I, I have to have I have to bring something to the table when I'm running this seminar, <laughs> um, and. Uh, but but that shower scene. So, Laurie, I hate to hate to spoil this for you. It's but not. I'll it's, watch it anyway. It's not that big of a deal. But um, the showers in the locker room were not working well, and they were had very terrible pressure. And he had put a, a silly um, suggestion box. You know, can you tell me what? Where is the pain, and how can I take it away? That's actually one of the first things mm-hmm, I told mm-hmm. when I'm working with a, with a as a coach when I when I coach a school leader or a, a new superintendent, new uh, assistant superintendent, one thing that I'll talk to them is find out where the pain is and take the pain away. And, and, and he found out where not, not the biggest pains were, but small things like if the shower doesn't work, hire someone to fix the shower. It's the best money you'll invest. And when he did that and people said, oh, this guy gets things done. And he also cares about us as people. Mm-hmm. Um, he started to build some buy-in to him and his philosophy of being kind to each other and believing and trying things out. And um, it's an infection. No, it's a great show. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of leadership lessons throughout the entire show. Um, and one of the most powerful is if you, Lori, if you Google this idea of the, the dart, the dart game, Ted Lasso um, hustles at darts. One of the big payoffs in that set in that scene is this idea of being curious and the mm-hmm. this instead of being judgmental being curious and switching mm-hmm. uh, a specific goal of the leadership development work I was doing with you Lori and with all school leaders 
is to help them spend a little bit more time outside of judgment and a little bit more time in curiosity. And I think for teachers, that is, if you can stop yourself from putting kids in boxes and start being curious, why is it that this child doesn't know how to pronounce the word priests? My son didn't know how, he was reading about uh, Redwall, I think as a kid, and we'd gone to church every Sunday for his entire life. And he was like, I really like these, these guys in the book, they're priests. And I'm oh like, my gosh. Yeah. These, these priests are the coolest things. And we're like, you mean the priests? He's like, what? <laughs> um, but he, he was trying to decode. He was trying to, to learn how to read and right. Um, but being just being a little bit curious for a little bit longer um, yeah. as a teacher, as a school uh, administrator and this year has to be about offering grace, offering grace to yourself, offering grace to your students, offering grace to your teachers, um, offering as much grace as possible because it's such a painful year for so many people. Um, mm-hmm. Just this, just the idea of uh, masks or no masks. Why, why do people not wear masks or, or why do they want being curious about that is much more helpful than being judgmental about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so uh, so Ted Lasso and curiosity, very powerful moment on, on the show about curiosity. Um, yeah. So Ted Lasso is great. Got a lot of leadership yes. lessons in it. And at some point, watch you know, it, Lori. I, I'm going to, it's on my, <laughs> it's on my list. It's number one. Now. You all convinced me to pop it up to number one. <laughs> great. <laughs> um, so Brendan, I'm curious if you could leave our listeners with a piece of advice, what would you share with them? Um, I think I just, I think this year has to be about, uh, uh, curiosity, grace, um, offering each other as much, uh, space as possible to learn. And then, um, not backing down on academic rigor, making a joyful school does not mean you're backing down from academic rigor. There is really immense joy to be found in wonderful teaching. Um, and there's so much joy to be found in when kids understand and, and, the light bulbs go off. So uh, using academic rigor maybe as an anchor um, mm-hmm. and, and trying to find joy, use joy as a tool to achieve that. Um, so I think it'll also be the payoff from it. Yeah. Can I read a quote from your blog that sure. sums that up? You say, for the first six weeks, if you do nothing else, focus on bringing back the joy of schooling, focus on this hard with immense love and grace and compassion and rigorous expectations for academic achievement. And I just love that because it like there's it's all of those things, right? It's not just one or the other. Yeah. So I hope that people will go into this, will continue in the school year. I want to say go into the school year, but by the time no, people we'll hear this, it'll it'll be in October. <laughs> <Continue>. yeah. <laughs> I do think though that's that kids feel and students feel most loved when they feel like we're respecting them as intellectuals, you yeah. know. So I sure. that that just I love that quote. Thank you for sharing it, Melissa. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you. Brendan, you did your first podcast. My first yeah. ever Woo! podcast. <laughs> Good job. Thank you for being here. And Amazing. thank you. I know like everybody could have a fa- fantastic takeaway from this, leaders and teachers. And honestly, I was thinking about my own child. You know, there's just so many things um, right now that it this applies to. So thank you for encouraging us to start to notice more. Very welcome. Thank you for having Absolutely. me. Yeah. Bye. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening, literacy lovers. Be sure to visit our website to subscribe to our newsletter and podcast. It's literacypodcast.com. Yep. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Most of them are at Literacy Podcast. Yes. And please, please, please reach out to us. Melissa, what's our email address? Melissa and Lori at literacypodcast.com is our email address. And we love getting emails from you all. And <laughs> Lori we and really I... really read them. Yeah, and we, we really, really respond. Fun. We just love, we love when you all reach out and we, we get to have conversations with you. So please, please email yep. us. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're thinking about literacy, what you're thinking about... Ideas for us to podcast about. Yes, ideas for <laughs> podcasting, anything. We, we love to hear from you what you liked, what you want. Yeah. We're here so for you. Mostly y'all are asking questions, which is great. Yes. <laughs> we don't mind that either. Yes. We're so glad you're here to learn with us. Thank you, everybody.